Welcome aboard the Celestial Station. I am Ryan Kennedy. And I am your co-pilot, Matthew Makar. This is our Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast where we watch an episode and talk about it. Sometimes we watch different episodes than each other <laughs> and then have to take a break. Alright, alright. Watch them again. <laughs> listen. Listen. Alright. Netflix fucked up. It wasn't me. It was not me. I just want to put that out there. I have a great brain. I'm capable of making coherent <laughs> the best, the decisions. Best I have the best brain. <laughs> but when Netflix puts episode two as a man alone, and then Hulu puts episode two as past prologue, all right, it's not my fault. <laughs> there's actually, no way to know. There's no way to yeah, know. Yeah, there's, no, there's really no way to know. And I'm going to send fucking Netflix a mean ass tweet. I'm going to, I'm going to tweet at him like a strongly worded letter. Like, Hey, fuck off Netflix. No, because no one writes letters anymore. We're, this is 2016, man. (laughs) That's why you have to send a letter because they won't ever expect it. (laughs) Oh, you're right. Game changer. Like what? What is this? Oh my God. Wait, somebody actually put pen to paper. What is a stamp? Do you even lick stamps anymore? (laughs) <laughs> I don't even know. It's been so long. I actually, I take that back. It has not been that long since I've sent a letter. I actually am one of those weird people who still likes to send letters, and I attribute that to my my upbringing. My my mother was very adamant about me sending thank yous to you know anybody who ever did anything for me in my life. Uh, that sounds tedious yeah. it was very tedious you do not understand the amount of pain i went through during high school graduation and every single person who gave me a card or a gift or anything i had to write a letter uh a thank you letter back to them and so i think it took me about a solid three weeks no no it didn't take that long i, I did them all pretty easily but it was fucking painstaking process of of just writing these thank you notes and each one was individual i didn't just cookie cutter that shit i would just i just would have written thank you and then like photocopied it over and over again like don't change the name just send them out to everyone no <laughs> no i'll get the same the same effect nope i wrote every single card out and, and and wow wow uh i hope they fucking appreciated that bullshit because you know what i probably that's a lot I of fucking work opened it looked at it once and thrown it away <laughs> <laughs> yeah like everybody else when i was when i was uh my grandmother used to crack me the fuck up man whenever she would get a card from somebody she would just open it wouldn't even look at anything that was written on it she would just turn it upside down and shake it no wait maybe that wasn't my no that wasn't my grandmother what the fuck am i talking about she was a she was a saint of a woman. That was my one of my uncles. I can't remember which one. I got I got three. That's, qu- that's quite a difference, grandmother and my uncle. <laughs> Listen, man, I had to go back and watch the episode, the right episode. So I've been drinking a little bit. Yeah, uh, yeah. All right, let's just get into the episode then. the The actual one we were supposed to watch. <laughs> so that's fuck right. You Netflix, fuck you, Netflix. You ruined everything. You almost destroyed our podcast in one simple week. And I'll never forget Seriously, you. never. But let's dive right into episode two of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, which is entitled yeah. Past Prologue. And, and like I mentioned when we originally started doing this before we realized that we were recording completely different episodes, I thought this was going to be another like 
like flashback like setting up the story with like no context for me whatsoever so i was really really like dreading what this was going to be like but thankfully it was nothing like that and actually just like an actual episode yeah i was very happy that we did not get what we got for the first for for the you know for the pilot episode there was a lot of artsy bullshit that went on a lot of camera work that was i don't know maybe supposed to draw our attention and it was just way too long but this we get a nice 45 minute episode that has an actually somewhat compelling plot yeah yeah there's like there's a beginning there's a middle there's an end as a good flow through line <laughs> yeah yeah and i actually looked up online what imdb gave this episode and they actually gave it a 7 out of 10 uh, I don't know if I agree I with did... that. That <laughs> should be your like segment. Like, what did IMDb give these ratings for Star Trek? Because you know, fucking Star Trek fans were so like amazed with the show that they had to rate every single episode of the show. Like, not the best. Oh, one. oh, absolutely. Six out of yeah, ten. Yeah, The best thing is, I, I actually this was earlier today, after I had watched the wrong episode. I did the same exact type of research and I looked up what other people were saying about this episode just to kind of, you know, see what was happening. And every single person gave it a thumbs up. And I, oh, I was I was so, so disappointed in those Star Trek fans out there who gave this episode a thumbs up because the next episode that we're going to watch, A Man Alone, is on so many different levels a shit show of editing of plot of subplot it is let's let's just you know what fucking let's just stop this train right now and let's get on to this so yeah yeah that's a little foreshadowing of our next episode which we're probably not going to be looking forward to much a whole lot <laughs> oh i'm looking forward to it I'm, i am so don't get me wrong all right so we start the episode it's um dr man who I still haven't learned the name, I just still refer to him as Guys Baltar by <laughs> <playing> Star Trek. <laughs> Listen, Guys Baltar, uh, who's aka Julian, is Julian. dining alone. And the first thought that I had in my mind is, will Julian be dining alone forever? No, he won't. You're right. Because my main man, Garrick, the Cardassian, <laughs> comes, rolls up, Puts down his classy-ass clothes on the ground and says, hey, what's up? You want to fuck? Bas That's basically how it goes. <laughs> Every yeah, yeah. single scene that Garrick is in in this goddamn episode seems like the beginning of a porno. <laughs> and that he's just trying to hit on everyone he speaks to so much. And I'm just like, what is happening? <laughs> Listen, that is the exact same thought that I had. And, you know, I love Garrick as a character. I think he's a... He's a he is oh phenomenal. he's my favorite he's yeah, my favorite currently in this episode he is the by far the best actor and i actually made a I, I made a little note about this so he comes over to julian and there is no better fucking example of juxta fucking position in terms of acting than there is between <laughs> julian in this scene and garrick in this scene alexander siddig who plays julian he really is a good actor. He does great work later on. And maybe this is just him trying to play like the young green oblivious medical officer. Guy. Oblivious. And just Garrick is so confident and Julian is so unsure of himself. It is just 
all out there. I loved this scene. I, I thought it was actually pretty funny. Yeah, the the guy that plays Garrick fucking sells every moment. Absolutely. There's like some there's some scene later in the episode where like a Klingon tries to reach for him and he kind of he does this like weird arm movement like he's a cat <laughs> <laughs> in heat. It was amazing. Um, yeah. Well, so maybe, anyway, yeah, they're yeah. talking some awkward things. The dude just like uh the doctor just randomly goes up like hey you're the spy hey what's up you're a spy for the Cardassians like straight to his face the first time he sees him which is well, probably not the best thing to do with someone you right? might think is a spy um but Garrick is just kind of nice and welcoming and this like weird hey you want to fuck later tone of voice and way of speaking yeah exactly so he just kind of makes this... him seem so safe he is yeah he has a very comforting <laughs> demeanor Around, you know surrounding him and and he just puts julian at ease he's like julian i i'm i'm just garrick plain and simple that's it my man i'm just a that's... i'm just a tailor i make i make clothes i could put you in a in a little little nice tight cat suit have you strut around the house for me <laughs> orchid take you out of that nice cat suit whichever you prefer we have a sale going on at the at my shop. Everything is half off half if off. you catch my gri- if you catch my drift. Maybe for you, Doctor, it would be one hundred percent off. And then cue porno music. Yeah. I think yeah. we can arrange something. <laughs> yeah. So the only other part about this scene that I want to touch on before we move to the next one is that when Garrick finally departs from Julian he walks around him and puts his hand on Julian's shoulders. And in this moment, I felt pain for every single person out there who has <laughs> who has ever had someone creep on them. I don't yeah, know. It was I, mad I, yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah, it was mad uncomfortable. If you have ever been creeped on for a, by, creeped on by a coworker or someone at the bar this is the exact face that I would expect you to make that Julian makes. He is just so uncomfortable. Oh man. It was, I don't know why he's got such a catch with Garrick though. You can't do any better. Yeah, go that's... for slug lady. Nah, go nah, for Garrick. Nah, you want to go for Robo All Benji? for Eric. <laughs> you can't have Robo Benji. <laughs> you can't have Robo Benji. He's stuck in the past. He um, lives here. It's not linear. <laughs> yeah so after that julian runs straight to ops and he is all about this cool story he he's just hey bros listen listen th- i think i just got uh hit on by a spy yeah I, that spy wants to fuck me hardcore guys i think we can use this and everyone's just kind of like nah we don't really think he's a spy. He's just kind of a weird dude that hits on yeah. all of us. He's, he, he's cool. He's Garrick. He's plain and simple. Yeah, plain and simple Garrick. Everybody just... Everybody disregards Julian, and I feel like that it, it was so fucking hilarious to me because <laughs> Julian is that young... Like He runs out there so gung-ho. Like, he's just uncovered some secret that that is going to save the Federation. And... Everyone else is like, it's just, no, bro, no, listen, take a fucking, fine. yeah, chill out. Listen, we, we know he's a Cardassian and we know he might be spying, but as of yet, we have no solid evidence of it. 
And then Julian rattles off a list of of evidence, actually. Very incriminating evidence. He says, well, he introduced himself and and he made conversation just like that. I mean, yeah, he, he just spoke to me. He must yeah, be a spy. He must be a spy. If anybody, <laughs> if you're a spy on Deep Space Nine, you have so many better targets than Julian. Yeah. Why would you go for the doctor first? And they even ask him that, like, yeah. why would they go to you? Oh, he was man. like, I've, I've got, I've got medical knowledge. I guess he could use that to infiltrate our systems i guess yeah i've got i've got all these medical secrets yeah yeah he would he obviously wants to get up all in my medical knowledge obviously and then maybe some other parts of me and you know what i just might let him i would let garrick he's he's pretty fucking awesome yeah he's a charm he's a charmer let's be honest i'd always choose garrick yeah not to mention like if he was a spy obviously they have no reason to suspect him or like to be wary of him because he just sells clothes like it's not like he's an important part of the infrastructure that he could do any harm whatsoever yeah right so don't even worry about it right now guys baltar chill out (laughs) dude he is paul blart mall cop in this scene he is he he's (laughs) he's taking he's one or two just They're both equally as bad. I mean, <laughs> there, there are but, vast differences. I don't know. I've never know, watched both, either of those movies. Uh, he he just is. He's think he thinks that he is some type of security officer in this scenario, and it's overly evident to everybody else that this guy is just not in the right position to make any type of security judgment. You're the chief medical officer. You have no fucking say about any of the security operations on this installation. Get your head out of your ass. It's not a big deal. And go on with your fucking day. You know? I, we'll, we'll watch this cat. I would just say, if the doctor was replaced by Paul Blart Mall Cop riding on a Segway around Star Trek Deep Space Nine, <laughs> this show would be infinitely better in every regard. Yeah. As as the chief medical officer, but still trying to be a security guard, I would rate every <laughs> single episode of the show 10 out of 10. Oh, God. I am just imagining people rolling around on segways on Deep Space Nine. <laughs> rolling around the promenade on their segways, and Odo chasing them down, saying, uh, There's no segways on the promenade! <laughs> uh, what, what a... I think they really dropped the ball not creating the show when Paul Blart Mall Cop was a thing. Absolutely. They should reboot it. Absolutely. Recast. Bring it back. Kevin James as every single character besides <laughs> Cisco. <laughs> uh, cast Kanye West as Cisco. Yes, perfect. Yeah, that's it. Fucking recipe. We got it. Yeah. All right, if, I'm funny uh, yeah. now. Hey, uh, yeah, you know, let's move on to the next scene. Before we do that. Yeah. One more note about this scene. He wants a monitoring device placed on him. Julian is just... He is adamant about getting a monitoring device. Monitoring device. Man, I can't even talk. He wants that device on him. He's like, put it on me, chief. And my only thought... 
My only thought. So where's that device supposed to go, Julian? Where are you going to put that bad boy? He's, he'll never notice it. Just, you know, just put it, like, on his forehead. He can't see you there. He never looks in the mirror. Of course he doesn't. Yeah, paste a spoon on him. Just like those Cardassians. And next. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, so the actual plot of this episode is that um, uh, Bajoran terrorist is being attacked by the Kardashians, Kardashians, Kardashians. I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna slip up and say that a lot. Listen, but, I do uh, the same exact thing, and I've been <laughs> watching the show and have never ever concerned myself with the Kardashians. It just happens. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, they're being a, being attacked, and he requests asylum on uh, the Deep Space Nine ship. So they. Hey man, that ain't no ship. That's a station. Whatever. <laughs> It's a Celestial big ship. <laughs> it's a so they, <laughs> so they tell they they teleport him in and are holding him so he can escape from the Kardashians until they find out what's going on. Um, turns out that uh, Kira knows him um, because she used to be a part of that terrorist group or like helping in some regard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the guy, his name is Tana Loss. And, or Tonalos, I don't know. He is a member yeah, of some... Tonalos. They keep like saying yeah. like a bunch of different names. Like I wasn't quite sure what was his name or what was like the organization name. I just know his name is Tana. Yeah, he's a member of the Cone Ma, I believe. They mention it yeah. later, but yeah, basically this dude shows up to Deep Space Nine after being pursued by Cardassians who have labeled him as a terrorist, which he is. And he he definitely is responsible for the deaths of innocent Cardassians as well as innocent Bajorans. He yeah, asks and he, he never mentions that he did not do it. So he, yeah, he's pretty yeah. on board with his terrorist activities. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he is through and through. He is a terrorist and he, he's a radical. But Kira is endeared to him because of his, her, you know past life as a Bajoran freedom fighter, which yeah. is, it, it really is an important distinction here is, you know, there's, there's a huge distinction between a freedom fighter and a terrorist, because if you are occupied by somebody, then you are a freedom fighter and you have to do wretched shit to get your country or your whatever you, to get your people free. But a terrorist is just making just you know, kills people indiscriminately, essentially. Yeah, yeah. They're they're making a political message, and they're trying to do, they're trying to change things that they you know want to change, and usually what they want to change is something that is, just unrealistic. It is it is not going to happen. And I was really pissed with Kira, just befriending him right off the bat and being like, yeah, of course we'll keep you safe. We'll get you amnesty. Yeah. Since she knew, since she knew of him, she was just trying to give him like the benefit of the doubt that yeah, he was yeah. better and that they should keep him so they could help with Bajorn, like freedom and stuff like that. Because how yeah. she, how he wants it essentially is that he wants Bajorn to be like its own power away from politics and federations stuff like that, like totally unfeasible yeah. things that are, could happen to planets, but. Kira wants to, you know, make them a superpower. Well, not a superpower, but something that could last in the system, no, I, I, I guess, as, like, an actual force. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I definitely understand Kira's position, and it, as much as I'm upset with Kira in this episode because I think she does a lot of stupid shit, she definitely, she definitely has the right mindset, but she doesn't necessarily go about it the right way. So she wants to give this guy amnesty because she considers him and the uh, Khan Ma, I believe it is, uh, she believes that, that they need to be reintegrated back into Bajoran society. And that, that is a truth. I mean, if my background is uh, international affairs and national security. I deal a lot with terrorist organizations and these conflicts that happen all the time around the world. And it's so true that you do need to make you know, deals with these types of people to get them back into your society to, yeah, you know, to make sure that they're not going to bring arms back up against, against you and against people that you're now willing to negotiate with. So, I mean, it's a completely realistic move, but she, she is just so in love with this dude. Like she is still sucking on his, his boner and it pisses me off because she's willing to go over Cisco's head to deal with this guy and yeah to um the admiral is that who she spoke to yeah she she straight up calls a federation admiral and says that cisco needs to get his shit together because he's missing out on an opportunity to you know get bajorans back into a you know cohesive unit and i was pissed at her for that because you know this guy (laughs) This guy's your superior officer first. And, you know, you owe him some some allegiance. And on top of that, you know, a terrorist organization isn't going to make Bajor that much stronger. You know, you got to look at this realistically. Yeah, especially since Cisco seems on board with giving him amnesty for the time being and seeing what happens. It seems like a very weird move to go about immediately, even though she wasn't exactly sure what he was going to do. And there's like a great moment afterwards where uh, Cisco calls her out on it to not fuck with him, essentially. Where like, I felt like Cisco's serial killer tendencies were coming out <laughs> in, his, yeah. in his programming. He was standing like half a foot above her, just like smiling menacingly, just going, do not talk above my pay grade. <laughs> yeah, he makes an awesome comment. If you go over my head... Wait, wait, wait. Let me get my Robo Benji voice on here. Oh, God. All right. Whew. If you go over my head again, I will make sure I have your head on a plate. <laughs> he, has a, he has a little bit more life in him because it was a standard programming <laughs> to be a serial killer, so he's a little oh, bit more God. happy. Yeah, you know, I, I got I to gotta think of a good Robo Benji voice. Let's, let's be honest. I mean, he's great. We got, we got t- We've got fucking 172 episodes to get there <laughs> yeah we got 100 we got a couple more to go i think i think 150 will 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 be pretty solid yeah we'll get it we'll get it down there sometime we're learning just like but, these actors are it's fine <laughs> yeah but you're absolutely right i mean cisco is completely fine in his state he, he's on point with this statement about don't go over my head again i mean completely reasonable and Kira just doesn't doesn't understand what it means to be in a chain of command, and and that definitely goes back to her past as being a a terrorist. So yeah, she, yeah, you know, they were independent cells operating 
during the you know the occupation. So completely reasonable, and I definitely feel a little bit more for her now because of looking back at it and like being more detailed in my analysis of, of the Kira character. But yeah, this... she's like not really on board so far with being a politician, so to speak. And on the Federation, so she's still grasping all the responsibilities and details of that, essentially, especially in this episode. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's not get too bogged down in the in the uh, analysis of you know political the, the political analysis. Let's yeah. just keep let's just keep this uh, nice, fun, fresh Star Trek uh, <laughs> theme going on. The set looks nicer now. Yeah, it seems this... like they got more money. The phones yeah. are pretty tight when they call each other. They cleaned good up. Job. Good That's job, great. set. Yeah, good job, guys. Good job, production crew. <laughs> yeah. Well, the next scene that I wanted to move to, which I think is probably uh, one that you will enjoy, <laughs> is kind of part of this conversation. We talked about how Kira says that Bajor needs Tano and yeah. the members of his group. And all I could think of during their conversation that they have after he is given a room on, on Deep Space Nine is that they argue about, you know, we don't want the Federation, we don't want the Cardassians, we don't want anything, we want Bajor for Bajor. And the immediate thought that came to my head was, we're going to make Bajor great again, okay? Listen, yeah. <laughs> we're going to get rid of these Federation types, they're a bunch of wimps. We're going to build a wall so gonna, people can't warp in. We're going to make them, we're going to make a wall around the wormhole and we're going to make the Cardassians pay for it. And we're going to make Bajor, Bajor, and it's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And Kira buys into it, which is, oh God. Uh, if, if she it, essentially... If, idolizes this guy so yeah she's willing to go with anything he says yeah and i'm just thinking about our recent election here in in america and this makes uh, me cringe. don't remind me <laughs> yeah makes me cringe oh my god well <laughs> well then we cut to the klingons down on the promenade and we get this great opportunity to see the strong, capable security officers that Odo has enlisted. <laughs> <laughs> they have a gun. What do we do? They don't. We even said have... put it away, and they said no. <laughs> it's it's amazing. This dude is holding a phaser at two Klingons, and he's shaking the entire time. And these Klingons... yeah, they must have not. Ah. Uh... They only have knives on them, right? Like they confiscated knives. It's not like they confiscated phasers or anything. I, I think that I think it were phasers. I may be wrong though. I don't remember. Yeah. Well, regardless, I mean, there's two of them, and there's an entire security force. They are outgunned, and you're pissing your pants. Yeah, they uh. must have not had a lot of training or budget for the security department. They're like, we got this guy. That can turn to like water or something. We're good. We don't need anything <laughs> yeah. else. Yeah. Oh man, that was too funny. But uh, a, a, a very important part about this scene that you will not know, considering your history of Star Trek knowledge, which is extremely... is that Klingons need a little slit for their tits to show so they can. 
<laughs> well, that was my second point. I love the Klingon titties. I mean, oh my god. <laughs> it, like... Damn. Them showing up confirmed that everything about this episode is just waiting for a porno to happen. You have Garrick with uh, Julian in the first scene. You have Tana on the table, like, spread out, just chilling with <laughs> the towel over on him when Cisco and Kira entered in. Yeah. And then this. And then just every scene with Garrick and in general. I'm just like, were they... Did they just have the budget for a porno? So, like, we need to start a bunch of storylines... For our spin-off series. Right. This is, we'll this, is a, this is a guitar part away from being a porno. <laughs> it, <laughs> it honestly is. Just just cue porn ballad and yeah. we're there. We're there. You're ready to go. But, like they would just start fucking right then. Exactly. Odo just gets that tentacle porn on on point, <laughs> you know. Oh god. This is just this is taking a spin. <laughs> <laughs> what I wanted to say before we got talking about porno and all kinds of the just, the, the important aspects the of this important episode, aspects, I think. The details. So the two Klingons that have appeared on the promenade are Lursa and Bator, and they are from the House of Doros. And so the House of Duras has a really bad name amongst Federation and Klingon, uh, I guess, you know, uh, politicians or whatever. So the House of Duras is the house that was responsible for dishonoring Worf, who is a character we will get much later on in DS9 and is absolutely amazing. He actually was a consistent character all throughout the next generation. He was actually the chief security officer on the enterprise. Mm -hmm. So they dishonored his house by claiming that his father was responsible for basically allowing the, the Cardassians to destroy an installation and resulted in the deaths of like hundreds of people. So that happened. This is the house of Doros that claimed that Worf's house is responsible for this. Turns out it wasn't, it was actually, the house of Doros that was responsible for it. And so they are no longer allowed to be part of the Klingon fire. They were dishonored and them showing up here immediately spells trouble for anybody that they are coming in contact with. And so that's why we get that great scene between yeah. Odo and Cisco later where they are. He mentions how he knows them. Exactly. And so that sets that up pretty well. They're definitely people to be watched. And, you know, you would think that if you have these people who are known criminals interacting with known terrorists, you would immediately do something in, in terms of your security policy to... Yeah, Cisco's pretty chill yeah, in that regard. he's so fucking chill. He's too chill. Whatever, they're just getting drunk, it's fine. We don't even have to worry yeah, about these guys. Yeah, and your chief security officer even says we need to keep an eye on these people. And who do they get to keep an eye on these people? Julian and Garrick. The the A team. <laughs> the A team. They're on they're on they're honestly probably better than the security officers that they have. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And so we get this great scene in uh Quirk's bar where Julian shows up. 
goes right over to Garrick. <laughs> and Garrick is just talking about, yeah, I love different styles of clothing. The, you know, Klingon clothing is just so interesting. Don't you say that those outfits are worth close study? Wink, wink. And Julian just totally drops the ball. He's like, what the fuck are you trying to say, Garrick? Everything Garrick tries to tell him just falls on deaf ears. He is not following anything whatsoever. Yeah. He could basically, like, just shout it at his face. Like, hey, watch those Klingons. And these people are like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, right? And he just he just totally nonchalantly it, it just disregards everything that Garrick says. He just walks up to him like, hey, nice clothing. No, he doesn't actually do that. But <laughs> I, I wish he would probably imagine him doing I it. I wish he would have went up to the Klingon woman and there would have been... That, that could have been a great scene. That That's missed potential right there, is is young yeah. green Julian going up to two of the most dangerous Klingons and just completely getting his ass kicked by them. I think that would have been great. It could be the start of another porno, but I think they were saving that for sweeps weeks. Yeah, definitely. So. Definitely. Yeah. So then after this scene in Quirk's Bar, we get a scene where the Klingon women are meeting with Tana Loss and they are talking about their deal that they're supposed to be making. And the Klingons ask him whether or not he has the gold. And he is... He doesn't have it. He doesn't got the goods. He's, he's, he says he can get them, but he doesn't got them. Yeah, he says that he has two other people that are known terrorists for uh, Bajorns coming in. Yeah. That will have the gold. And we don't really find out what they're doing. But the scene seems very, like, Shawshank Redemption to me. Like, I thought they were about to, like, murder him yeah. real quick. <laughs> but that's not how it went. <laughs> I mean, I was waiting for and the... Then, what, what are the name of the guys from the Shawshank Redemption? The sisters? The sisters are going to come in and just butt rape them all. I don't know. Man. That could have been awkward. Yeah, like, yeah. Another, another start to a porno. There's just every scene in this episode. <laughs> and and after another that... start. And after that, Andy Dufresne could no longer fart. <laughs> it just made a, it just made a, a whispering noise, a puff noise like. <sighs> anyway, it's like a hot dog down the hallway. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Odo yeah. emerges. He's been spying on them the whole entire time. Yeah, Odo, and... aka Master Splinter 2.0. It goes from rap form to Odo form. He tells uh, Cisco about this, and then Cisco finally realizes, okay, maybe we've got a terrorist group actually in our midst, so I should do something about it and not just sit around not doing anything. And what does he do? So, Wait and see approach. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's like, wow. all right, I'm going to watch him extra carefully now. Yeah, right. Oh, God. So then Kira so, keeps pressing for amnesty for the uh, Kone Ma. He, he go, she goes to yeah. Cisco and is talking about how, you know, we need, to, we need to get these people amnesty. And Cisco is completely on board with it. And this was actually a nice moment where, from what we said previously about him just dropping the ball, he does make a nice little move here where he plays his own first officer against the other groups involved in this in this conspiracy 
and he goes and talks to Odo, and he he says that, you know, I'm gonna have Kira, you know, try and I'm gonna I'm gonna continue letting Kira believe that I have full trust in her, even though he does not, and he wants to see what happens between them, and so he kind of just, you know, does the wait and see approach, but in a way that makes kind of strategic sense in terms of, you know, I don't want to let them know that I'm onto them yet. Yeah. Yeah. Basically playing chess. Yeah, pretty much. That's what Cisco's doing right now. Exactly. Then... So then from there, yeah. we go to the Klingons uh, going to Garrick, trying to sell Tana to the uh, Cardassians because they're looking for him since the beginning of the episode, since Cisco will not give them give him to them. Uh, so I, I'm not really apparent if Garrick does have contact with the Cardassians. I think he just kind of bullshits his way through it at first, um, just giving them a number and going to Cisco and uh, Julian afterwards to let them know that, hey, uh, you should come by and get a suit later because I'm meeting up with these people later, trying to drop some innuendos, but Julian does not get it again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, has, and has to go to Cisco to figure it out. He's just like, go get a suit. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorite scenes. And also another part of the uh, episode that just cracks me up is every time we see Julian, or at least the majority of times that we see Julian in this episode, he is at the fucking bar. This dude's your chief medical wasted. officer. And he is consistently at the bar. I mean... Th- he can't He can't do good surgery without a good buzz. Yeah, that's the thing is, you know, you, <laughs> you might need to be called in at any moment. You are on call at all times. And you're consistently getting drunk. What the fuck, dude? I would trust him. Yeah, I would not trust him. Any procedure? No, not at all. Just get out of here, man. You're a... You're a <sighs> big piece of hippocratic. I don't know. Just delete that part. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm keeping that good goof in. <laughs> Keep that good goof in here. I wanted to do someone with like uh, hypocrisy and, and Hippoc- Hippocratic oath, but just it didn't get there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Laugh a minute in this podcast. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, they. So Garrick is saying, you know, meet up with me at 2055. And he says it like four fucking times before Julian gets the message. And so Julian goes to Ops. Except for he does not get the message because he shows up late yeah. at 25, yeah. <laughs> like two minutes past. Yeah, he shows up at 2057 and Garrick is pissed because this is... So someone like Garrick, who is just completely, you know, comfortable in a situation like this, he is the smoothest motherfucker that we have on Deep Space Nine. Obviously, he is something more than he seems. He's not just a, a tailor at this point. We, it's pretty clear. We, you know, we won't get the reveal of his character until later on. And, you know, obviously, I know you will appreciate it. It's absolutely amazing. But, you know, if the dude fucking tells you to be there in 2055 and you're dealing with terrorists and rogue Klingons... Be there at twenty fifty five. Maybe be there on time. Yeah, maybe be there fucking early. You know, read a book. Wait in the waiting room. They got magazines. Yeah, yeah. So he gets there and he's immediately. So Julian gets there, I should say, and he's immediately pushed by Garrick into a changing room with a suit 
and he stares at himself in the mirror with the suit held up. And I thought that was absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Julian, the best thing is that's not even a full suit. It's just like a suit jacket. Yeah. <laughs> and then the important shit happens where the Klingons come back in. They are saying to Garrick that the deal is on. You know, they're going to turn over uh, Tana to the Cardassian authorities. But then Garrick questions them about their tactical information. You know, he wants to know whether or not... He wants to know exactly what the operation is. And they're a little bit hesitant at first, but then Garrick, being the smooth motherfucker that he is, gets them... He gets the information. And Julian overhears all of this. And so now we know that the Klingons have about four hours until this is all completed. They have... A, they're giving him the ingredients for a bomb that has the potential for a very serious destructive capability and now Julian is armed with all this information I feel like he probably yeah. wouldn't have gotten it probably not no. as, I, as I quoted in my notes uh, Tana has antimatter shit because that's basically what I got from that conversation yeah yeah <laughs> so they need this they need a certain substance I can't remember what it is I have it written down and I'll come back up to it later but they have a certain substance that coupled with an antimatter uh generator or whatever is capable of you know releasing the energy that is dormant within the substance and so yeah if if they have all of these ingredients they can make a bomb and yeah it's a pretty destructive bomb exactly all right so yeah julian goes to cisco lets him know everything he found out uh from there they want kira to keep going with the operation watana but not yeah. letting him know that they're on to him to set up for the deal currently. Uh, Kira had a little bit of uh, hesitation to do this yeah, because she wasn't absolutely. sure if she wanted to betray her country and what she was fighting for or continue with the Federation and work for her goal to make uh, Bajoran a much better place. Yeah, there was that. So she kind of waved. Uh... Yeah, go ahead. There was that real interesting scene. Um, well, I mean, I don't know if I would call it really interesting because we had a fucking, I don't know, metaphor about an ostrich that sticks its head underwater and drowns by Odo. Yeah. But <laughs> you could have just said a normal ostrich that sticks its head underneath the sand. Yeah, but before that, we have a great scene. I think, personally, I thought that scene was very. It was well done up until the moment that they put in the ostrich part because she goes down there and she is torn about whether or not she's going to betray Tana or whether or not she's going to betray the Federation. And yeah, I mean, it's a completely realistic struggle for her. And I think that Odo is probably the best person to go to for that because he is the guy that has a great sense of, of justice. I mean, he worked for the Cardassians and he worked for the Federation. But in between all of that, I mean, the Cardassians are, are terrible people from all that we've heard. Yeah. I mean, O'Brien says at the beginning of this episode that if you're going to turn someone over to the Cardassians, I mean, like, don't do it. Like, I wouldn't turn anybody over to them. So. Yeah. And as Odo says as well, they may have been horrible, but at least they were simple. Yeah, exactly. So we get this scene where Kira is spilling her guts to Odo about how she's so torn 
in this decision. He puts it pretty simple. Uh, he, he, he lays it out pretty simply for it. I mean, he, he says, you know, if you allow this to happen, you know, you're going to be responsible for deaths that are innocent lives, you know, essentially. And she, yeah. she, you know, breaks down about how she did terrible things in the past, but she knew that they were right. And this is not one of those situations. This is this is a situation now. You're in peacetime. You're not in war. You're not. This is mm-hmm. this is not a an occupation setting. You now have to make the distinction between freedom fighters and terrorists. And she does it. And and she and she wisens up. And thankfully, Odo has this talk with her. So they put her on the yeah it's, yeah yeah. So they, it's a wake up call for her exactly to realize that everything isn't as simple as she would maybe hope it was or Tana would hope it was. So sometimes you have to do things you maybe don't want to do, like working with the Federation to ensure peace and safety of your homeland. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's a very simple decision, I think, in, in terms that, you know, are you going to continue causing unnecessary violence in a peace situation or are you going to betray somebody who you do feel for but they're doing the wrong thing at the wrong time you know yeah and so they throw her on the runabout with tana and they eventually meet up with the klingons they get the goods that they were supposed to get from the klingons they get payment and whatnot and now tana has the components for a bomb but we don't know the we don't know the target yet and that's like the only yeah. that's the only thing that we're still waiting on is we're still waiting on the target. And behind a moon are Cisco and Chief O'Brien, the two yeah. the two best <laughs> the perfect shooting spot. Yeah, they are the best for this for this uh, scenario. I, I, it cracks me up every time I see Chief O'Brien outside of transporter room three, and I I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how many times I need to see it, but I need it. You know, it is always hilarious to me to see Chief O'Brien doing something. And I, and when I say doing something, I mean literally doing anything. He could be fucking reading a book. It would be more than we got from the next generation. Yeah, because honestly, he does not do a whole lot in this scenario. <laughs> no. He kind of just sits there and uh, turns a couple things on and off. That's basically his only contribution to the whole affair. Yeah, and so we... We get this really, I mean, it's supposed to be a crunch for time, you know? We have the runabout with Tana and Kira that is loaded up with explosives, making its way downtown. And they're they're warping fast. Walking past. Yeah. Faces <laughs> past and they're homebound. Exactly. Then we have, in hot pursuit, the other runabout with Cisco and O'Brien. They can't get to him in time. Guess who shows up? The Cardassians. Ready the fuck shit up. Yeah, Kim is pissed. And she wants to know what's going on. Cisco lays down the business. He's not too happy with it. Basically, neither of them are within... Neither of them are close enough to stop this runabout before it gets to its destination with its explosives. And the Cardassians starts to protest. Cisco shuts him down turns off the comms, 
and says to O'Brien, prepare. Yeah, that was my favorite part, him just hanging up on him <laughs> when he started, like, critiquing him. Yeah. It was like, I told you that this was going to happen. Just like, nah, bye. Yeah, Cisco is not one for constructive criticism. <laughs> so they shut down. It's like, the- I got yeah. everything I needed out of that conversation. We're done here. Goodbye. So then they... Uh, so Cisco is... He, he does something here that I think is one of the reasons why I really appreciate Cisco as a captain is that he's willing to, to make sacrifices, very difficult decisions. He's willing to make difficult decisions. And he says to O'Brien to get the photon torpedoes ready that he might, you know, and he alludes that he might actually shoot down the runabout to prevent a much larger catastrophe than, yeah, uh, and, and, you know, in, in the process, killing his first officer. So he's, he's, he has this Sophie's choice scenario. Thankfully for Cisco, Robo Benji. Well, maybe not thankful. Maybe, maybe Robo Benji did want to blow up the ship because that's in part of his programming that he likes to kill. Things. Yeah. He was, he was yeah. really like, Anything could have been happening, but if one of the options was murdering someone, he was totally on board. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> yeah, but fortunately for everybody else, for those non-sociopaths out there, uh, Kira swerves real hard and sends Tana crashing to the ground during her maneuver yeah. and thwarting thwarting Benji's favorite pastime murdering people exactly it was the most selfish thing she could have ever done yeah he did not get to bust his murder nut and we're all really pissed about that because we wanted to see it we wanted to see that murder nut we wanted to, we wanted to see that murder nut we needed <laughs> we need we need a money shot for the end of this porno and she just ruined it for us absolutely ruined it and instead takes them straight through the anus of the galaxy the wormhole which is some of the best effects I've ever seen in my whole entire life, them going through this wormhole. Oh, it's beautiful. Look at those colors. That swirling electro swirling blue color. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's that great fight scene that we get though. It was it was absolutely amazing. Kira is employing all of the things that she learned in the Bajorans, you know, terrorist academy. Uh, takes them down. And then <laughs> ends up losing. She ends up immediately yeah. getting a phaser drawn on her after the struggle. <laughs> but it's okay because now we're now we're in the gamma quadrant, and he. It's because it's because Tana started out with that sweet open hand smack thing at the beginning of the fight. Oh yeah, that he yeah. Just, he couldn't do anything afterwards. Uh yeah. He just straight up pimp slapped Kira at the very beginning, <laughs> which was. It was so rewarding to me. I enjoyed that on so many different levels because of all. I was. Uh... I kind of watched this late at night, so I was like a little bit half awake during that moment, and then that happened. I was like, "Oh, oh shit! I guess stuff's real now. <laughs> no more talking." Yeah, he he totally bitch slaps her, and I think she deserved it after all the stupid shit that she said and did during this episode. But she ends up winning in the end. As does 
Cisco and O'Brien. I mean, catastrophe averted. They were aiming for the wormhole. He wanted to close it down. And yeah. he wanted, I mean, he is fucking Trump, man. He he is the radical, you know, nationalist who just does not want any contact from any other race. He he is yeah. he is just all about shutting down that wormhole, you know. You got you got people coming through this wormhole. They're rapists. They're terrorists. They're they're uh, dealing drugs. They're terrible people. You know we got to shut them down. <laughs> and I'm gonna blow up this wormhole. We're gonna make Bajor great again. The Cardassians won't have anything to do with this region anymore. The Federation won't have anything to do with this region. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be wonderful. It's gonna be huge. But he thankfully. Cisco and team wins. Yeah. Un- Sadly, we lost. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. in real life we lost, in Star Trek we won. Yeah. So there's a little bit of an underwhelming celebration shortly after that, which I really loved with uh, Cisco and O'Brien. They're just kind of like, "Yeah, great, awesome, cool. We didn't blow up shit." Yeah. Oh, what the fuck? Like, God, catastrophe averted. Yet we're not too excited about it. They're just like, woo, yeah, all right. It's like, like, what's for dinner yeah. today, I wonder? Yeah. I think my favorite part of the very end of this episode is we have Kira and Tana coming off of the runabout now that they've returned to Deep Space Nine. And Kira just looks at Tana and says, the old ways don't work anymore. The first fucking thing that came to my mind is that the old gods don't work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I went straight into some fantasy bullshit Skyrim yeah. mixed with uh, Game of Thrones. This is hard sci-fi. This is real. Yeah. This is real yeah. life. Yeah, the old gods are My favorite part. Old gods are dead. My, <laughs> my favorite part of that scene is whenever um, after he's going like, oh, you're a traitor, and then he tries walking off to the right, but it's the wrong direction, so Oda <laughs> just kind of pulls him really quickly and takes him to the left. <laughs> Yeah, I like. I like to imagine that he got the stage direction wrong and tried walking that way, and they didn't have enough time to do a second shoot, so they just kept it. <laughs> You're probably right about that. Oh God, the the ending scene though is hilarious to me because Cisco is there with Kira. They've just gone through this struggle where they were trying to gauge their relationship with one another. You have first officer with her, her commanding officer who, you know, throughout this entire episode were at odds with one another. And then at the end came together and did the right thing. But yeah, what does Cisco do? Does he say, I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm pleased with you. You made the right choice. No, not in his programming, not in his programming. What does he do? He does the only thing he knows to do. Make awkward eye contact and move on. And he just, <laughs> that's how this episode ends. Is Cisco walking up to Kira like he's going to say something. And instead of saying anything, just stares at her. And then they walk off together. Cue ending. Yeah. In, in his own special way, that was like him giving a hug. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Oh God, it was. It was. That was the most emotion he's ever shown in his whole entire life, and he was like, "You should be proud. You should be proud that you got this." Yeah. Just the only thing that I was 
this episode left me wanting one thing and one thing only. It left me wanting more Garrick. And yeah, I was I was just about to say that more Garrick. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, we will have to wait a couple of episodes before we get more Garrick. Oh god, what's the point even watching anymore? Seriously, without Garrick. <sighs> The only good thing about the next episode, which, uh, if if you're if you're curious, Rick, Ryan, maybe I should use. I don't. Should I use your Rick? <laughs> should I use your Christian name? <laughs> <laughs> just use just use both, and let's just see if people can catch on what my actual name is. Yeah, that's a good idea, Ryan. <laughs> Ryan. Yeah, you're like speaking of names, like. So I was paying attention this time to the opening credits where they were saying, like, who plays who. Because I did not pay attention the first time. Yeah. And these people's names are straight up fucking ridiculous in themselves that they could be Star Trek character names. Like, I'm just going to run down a a few. One is Colum Miani, Nana Visitor, uh, Rene Abrajonis, Sirach Lofton... Armin Shimmerman, <laughs> Alexander Sadig. Like, why did they just not have these people have their actual fucking names? Because they're just as ridiculous as the ones that they do have on the show. Yeah, they definitely could have worked. I know that for a fact. Uh, so the the character, so the names that you just mentioned are Major Kieran Reese, Odo, Quark. And Jake, and then the other one that you named, I can't actually put a... I'm not actually too sure, but get this. And this is something that I was going to bring up in a later episode when we actually had his character involved. But now that you've rounded it up, <laughs> Sirach Lofton yeah. is Jake Sisko. I am fucking in love with the, the idea that, that, that Jake Sisko... <laughs> is his actual name is Sirak. Sirak. <laughs> he fucking pops so many bottles, there's no doubt in my mind. Uh he's popping bottles left and right. Oh my like, god. Like honestly, they should have just kept all these names and I feel like it could have fit perfectly. It would have been wonderful. I mean, you don't have any better names than that. I'm sorry. It's unless your name's Paul Blart Malkop. Yeah, yeah. Then maybe. Unless your name is, I don't know, Nana Visitor. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's really no other names better than this. I mean, well, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was a pretty okay episode. I, I enjoyed it. I, I would, I would agree with the seven out of ten. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that as well. I think that this episode had a lot of very interesting plot lines. Uh, they did a good job of showing the internal struggle between Kira. Well, not between anybody. They showed the internal struggle with, with Kira. And yeah. it was a really good episode. I'm not going to lie. I, I enjoyed it. There were you know, some parts of the episode that I wish they would have done better. But that's so much the, you know, that's the modest operandi or whatever of star trek they have yeah. they have a limited budget and they have to do you know they can only do what they can yeah they have, they have to do about 20 plus episodes per season with a limited budget and it's a syndicated show 
all of the actors have signed on for the you know entire entire show so yeah you know it's it's difficult to, to bring in more funding and to bring in more actors so definitely this is a very good episode for early on in the season or early on yeah in, plus in the it's like it's history. only the second yeah yeah it's like the second episode so they're just flushing stuff out i liked learning about kira of course we got garrick so it was the best in that regard yeah yeah so i i I like i'm getting connected more with the characters now and actually learning their names a little bit so that's good yeah i think i I think they're succeeding in that you're growing you're making i know making strides i'm adapting it's amazing (laughs) yeah well next i can i can tell you what star they're trekking don't even don't even try bro (laughs) you're not you know you're no astronomer you don't got you don't got shit on these star maps. You don't know anything about it. Don't lie to me. I don't. It's true. Yeah. Well, for the next week, and for our next episode, oh, we I'm are super, super looking forward to the one that you hate. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, this episode that we got coming up next is entitled "A Man Alone," where Odo is reintroduced to one of his nemesis or nemesi whatever and there is a murder mystery that you are in that you are in store for and it is absolutely oh amazing uh just to give you a little bit of a heads up we have a count dooku character and i love him so much fucking is hating christensen in this as well no thank fucking god Damn it! Yeah, I was hoping he could play Count Dooku character. No, but anyway, it's gonna be good. Uh, it, it is definitely an episode worthy of some critiquing. Yeah. All right, I think we should call it here. Yeah, we've rambled on for long enough. I think so, and probably a little bit too much. Definitely a little bit too much. But you know, a word to our listeners out there who gave this podcast a listen for the, uh, you know, it's, it's first episode. Thank you. Uh, I hope that you will yeah, listen thank to you. the next one. You know, this is something that I totally enjoy and will continue to do regardless of the support. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> your support Same would be here. greatly, greatly, greatly appreciated and share this shit. If you're a Trekkie, if you're not a Trekkie, if you thought about getting into Trek, I think this is a good podcast It's perfect for you. because I'm not a Trekkie. Exactly. I can be your foundation of complete ignorance. Yeah, we can have multiple levels of commiserating. You can have the Trekkie level of commiserating and then the non-Trekkie level. So we really got something for everybody. Yeah, so please tell anyone you know about the show. It's on SoundCloud right now. I will put it on iTunes soon, or submit it to be on iTunes, but I've been busy with shit, and I'm flying out to Pittsburgh, like, in a day, so <laughs> maybe maybe we won't have enough time to do that, but we'll, we'll get to it. We'll, we'll get, get there. It. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll, we'll get to that uh, sweet spot. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, and we'll uh, catch you next time. Yeah.